0: welcome to this week in 40k your daily dose of all things warhammer Warhammer 000. each day monday through friday we explore the warhammer 40,000 tournament scene and bring you the latest news updates and opinions we'll be diving into the latest developments in the 40k tournament community discussing results from events new releases and upcoming events and interviewing some of the biggest names in the world of Warhammer 40,000. So, whether you're a seasoned veteran or a newcomer to the hobby, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us as we delve into the world of 40K. Here's your host,
1: Mufasa. Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode. Today we are joined by Innes Wilson. Innes is a man that probably needs very little introduction, but we will give him one anyway. Innes has been around 40k scene for a very long time and he started off as a wee lad, as they say, up in Scotland and is now you know a young adult who is leading the way in 40k both as a community leader for Team Scotland, a TO, a content creator and a top player having won multiple super majors. Ines is a uh, no stranger to podcast platform. He used to have one of his own and now he has a whole system of coaching, podcasts and all sorts of content. So very much a journey he's been on in 40k and that is what we'll be talking to him about today. Ines, welcome to the show.
2: Hi Zach, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah, it's good to have you on so i you know i' told everyone a little bit about some of their background that they may not be aware of you if they've just discovered your stuff recently but why don't you tell us a little bit about what it was like uh when you first got into competitive 40k i think you and I met maybe about seven eight years ago at akali and i think you were 17 or something at the time <laughs> so, uh you know what was it like back then as um you know uh, a teenager playing around all these adults um, and how does that sort of compare to to where you are now in your in your 40k Competitive players experience?
2: Yeah, it's always been a little odd being one of the youngest people in the room. That's something that's only started changing for me recently. So I got into the competitive scene when I was uh, 18, 19. Um, so that would have been, yeah, I wasn't quite that young, but uh, it feels like it when you're, you know, when the age difference is like 10 years or more, doesn't it? So um, it was super cool how everybody just kind of accepted me into the community, like the Teams Calling guys pulled me on board super early, and um, they were super happy, like, having me around. I think Bernie just immediately wanted, was like, ah, that guy will replace me eventually. Um, Bernie being the previous Team Scotland captain, and uh, I don't blame him, because I did. Um, so it was really interesting just being, it was the first kind of experience I had with being taken seriously in, like, anything other than, you know, like, you know, it's school and you need your teachers to take you seriously in as much as they have to, and you come into an environment like this, and then, you know, you start like I didn't start doing incredibly well. I mean, like immediately, but I was doing well enough. Like I won like RTTs and I beat the other team, Scotland guys, and like, you know, it was cool to just you know start being respected pretty quickly. And like, you know, you don't want to play against because this will beat you, or you know, he at least give you a tough game. And uh, then I start coming down to England, and that wasn't true uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. for like the top end players. But you know, we worked on that. And we worked on that over time. Um, yeah, it's just been a—it's been a really awesome scene to sort of grow up in, almost. Not that I—you know—I was an adult when I started this, but it's been well ten years of doing this now, near enough. And I've definitely changed a lot as a person over that time, and grown a lot, uh, which has been really cool to you know notice for myself. And I'm hoping that everybody else is uh, a little less sick of me, uh, or a little more sick of me, whatever, whatever, whatever's your preference.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a really interesting point you make there because, you know, you have you know changed as a person. I think people that have known you for for this period of time um, have noticed that. And you're you're not just changed as a person, but your role in the community has very much changed. So you mentioned Bernie, and the previous Team Scotland captain, there, and Scotland is a relatively small, but passionate community of 40k players. And, you know, as your captain of Team Scotland, I would imagine pretty much all active 40k players in the country know your name. How does that sort of make you feel in terms of like, do you uh, feel a responsibility for that from from that level of uh, fame or infamy? how do you how do you sort of interact with the fact that you are sort of a public figure in a very small community of, of players in Scotland?
2: I almost tried not to. It, like running the Team Scotland Facebook page, I try to keep like Innis, the Team Scotland captain, and Innis, the person who goes and smashes people at local RTTs, a little bit separate because otherwise it just, you know, it could be a bit weird. Um, just keeping that level of separation. Like when I'm running the Team Scotland page, we're doing everything seriously. Uh, it's all, you know, you sign off everything as Innes or Team Scotland, depending on like what the messaging is. If it's about events, it's Team Scotland. If it's, you know, an update about what we were doing at a tournament, it's Innis. Just, you know, try and keep that level of, I don't know if it's just for my own personal game, just to make sure that I don't feel like I'm, you know, I have to be team's calling captain all the time because sometimes you just want to go and play people at the local RTT or the local GT. But when I'm running events, it's very much, um, like I definitely feel that, you know, somebody's got to make events happen in Scotland because there just aren't that many up here. Um, So I'm always trying to drive people to, you know, go to events, to run events, um, to travel to the events that are, you know, that are actually happening because we have, you know, it's less than one a month up here um, for a country of 5 million people. Um, we're running less events than London is, and London's a lot bigger. But, you know, it's a uh, it's much smaller a much closer community there. Um, we have a lot of problems with things like clubs not talking to each other that have gotten better over time. But, you know, you still see, you know, one Club won't travel to another club's events because, you know, they insulted each other one time or things like that. Um, so it's still it's still a work in progress. Um, we lost a few TOs over the years. We've gained a few more. But it's a very small community at that end of things um so yeah it's um it's just about trying to keep growing things the scottish like competitive community we're a much stronger scene now than we were um like we have better players consistently our top end is maybe a little bit weaker than it used to be but you know the level of general play has gotten so much higher over the past 10 years which is something you've noticed in every scene across the world but you know it requires concerted effort from the top players in those countries and i'm super proud to represent a community that has drawn in that way
1: yeah and obviously scotland's notorious to came third i think at the wtc before covid or maybe the year before that but in in my mind there you know just brought brought to brought to life um braveheart when you say that you know the different clubs don't talk to each other and they're having all these different beefs i'm just thinking all these different types of tartans getting together on the moors or whatever with what their claim was that having these big clown wars. um which I think there is an event called Clown Wars. That is yeah, that's, that's the very... event in Scotland's Clown Wars. Wars. <laughs> very well fitting. So um you've made this journey from, you know, um younger player to being taken seriously and and now as team captain captain for Scotland. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, you've won two of our super majors, I believe. Uh, Nottingham, mm-hmm. no, not Nottingham, Manchester and Newcastle. Um so very much up in the mix with um, people who are being looked at and reviewed as potential favourites for events. You won both those events with Tyranids, I believe, and then got a invitation to the Unconquerable uh, GT, which was the invitational event we ran for anyone that went undefeated at one of our events, and decided to take GSC, which at the time would pants. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about like why a top player such as yourself would not take an army that they clearly have in a box that is clearly good and instead choose to take something that was a, a little bit less good?
2: Sure. So there's a real aspect in like a small event like that which was it was you know 28 30 players um where sometimes it's nice to just play something that's a little bit off brand so that was the event we saw things like manny breaking out the 190 racks um we had uh, adam lane rocking out like um the, Austra- the australian Necrons list so i took the australian gene circle list because people didn't know what it did it was very much unknown it, was a list that had shown that it could put up good numbers into some of the best lists in the game. And everybody kind of knew what NIDS did at that point. That that was like we were like three and our steep into Terra Nids. They weren't really winning events anymore. Um like they were still doing competently in the hands of players like Dave Gaylord, who ended up taking to the event and going three and two. Um whereas the Jean I was like, right, I can give this a shot. It's got a good matchup into NIDS, which is strong. Um it's got a good matchups into most of the rest of the field. I didn't have enough practice on it, and I ended up bouncing into Jamie Backholm's Custodes and just not quite getting there. But I won the other four of my games pretty comfortably, and I was super happy with the list performance, which then rolled into an LGT that was disappointing for other reasons. Like, I went 3-2, but my losses were to Necrons at the time, where Necrons were the strongest. I don't feel too bad about it. I did at the time, I felt awful. Um, Looking back at it, I would change very little about what I did. Um, So it was just, it's nice to play a faction that nobody's planning for. Um, people don't have the experience. They don't have the repetitions. Even if they know what it does, and you're not you're not like gotching people or anything like that. You're you know you're trying to be honest and communicative, but people don't have the patterns in their brain to know what to do to defeat your game plan because they just don't know what it is. And that has a lot of value in an event where you're playing as few repetitions as you are um we're not playing like you know 15 rounds where people get the chance to scout you and go and go and uh, research what the teams are called though they're just coming into a cold and they've got to figure it out in the, like the 15 minutes where you're picking secondaries and deploying the terrain um and that worked out really well for me at coventry where i adapted the list made it a bit more my own moved away from the eric latherus template that he saw at wtc and then i ended up going seven one and coming third at coventry um that was all with GSC. And then I, I've moved away from them a little bit since then because a teammate's borrowing my army, so I don't get to use them anymore. I'm very sad about that because they're really good right now. Um, but yeah, it's just... I played like 150 straight tournament games of Tyranids. Uh It was just nice to step away from that because I played them for WTC and all of the prep up to WTC.
1: Mm, you can get you know, faction fatigue. Um, I would imagine that, you know, running a stat check, you have a, quite a good overview about how um, different factions are performing. And obviously... When you're building a new list that perhaps doesn't play like the rest of the faction, you can maybe sometimes outperform a poor faction at the time, uh, just by, as you said, then, you know, people not being able to counter counter your play your game plan because they don't know what it's gonna be. But you know, staying on stat check for a little bit and continuing the sort of journey you've been on as a forty K player, we've now seen you move from, you know, community leader with regards to Team Scotland to international community leader on the interwebs with uh, StatCheck. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what the sort of aims and ambitions of StatCheck are as an endeavor, what its mission is, and what it's trying to do.
2: Yeah, no worries. Uh, I'm not going to just read out our description because I don't know it off by heart. But the main thing is when we we launched this podcast called Fight Club a while back, uh, which was aiming to fill step into the role of like stat center, uh, which uh, some of the older heads might remember was uh, Peter the Falcon's podcast, where he went through like event data and all that sort of thing. And we stepped into that role and we found that we just didn't enjoy doing the the broad level coverage of you know going through every GTA that we get and picking out the wins and talking about the lists. And we just, we found that it was kind of you could replicate that with a bcp subscription and we weren't bringing anything new to the space so what we did was we split off we launched StatCheck, which aimed to their goal has always been to talk about the meta in a way that is healthy and interesting while you know still offering a commentary on when there's problems with it and to do that we focused on just the statistics so we pulled out the stats bit of stats of stats center and then we moved moved our own so we talk about things like um the win rate for factions how overrepresented they are in winning and like top fours of events and um, we, we've used that to pull out and then we've run like a dashboard where you can look at all the stats for sub factions and factory factions if you want to know the exact win rate of um industrial affinity gene circle against cult of prophecy thousand sons, you can probably find that on our website if anybody's played that which i doubt because nobody plays cult of prophecy but um so that was the goal was to address a gap in the fact that there was just nowhere doing good stats. So we cleaned up we take the data, we clean it up. So we pull out anything from like a 25 plus 5 RGT event. So no keys nothing like that, just that it's all quote unquote top level competitive events. We still get American stuff in there, so it's not really, but um hmm. I'm joking, I'm joking. Please don't cancel in America. Um hmm. so that that's been the state of aim. And then from there we've just spiraled into doing so much more. So we have three shows on our network now. We have um, Typhus, who's uh, the X-Team Poland captain and one of the UKTC refs, uh, runs a show where he talks to various WTC captains about teams uh, called Into the Matrix, which is some of the best 4K content on the internet. We have a new show called XM1, which is about dads uh, and managing your relationship with a hobby when you have a life outside of it, which I can't say I do. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's all about like time management, hobby management, expectation management with your spouse and your kids, um like how to you know fill the time that you have with 40k in a way that will help you stay competitive because you might still have that drive but just not the time and it's about doing that on a budget um like a time budget rather than a money budget um which has been super cool so those are both uh those are both been super awesome and then we have the main show which is uh myself and a few guys in the states and Canada um and we go through all manner of 40k things um there's a lot of back and forth a lot of talking nonsense because i'm involved which means that there will be nonsense involved um but it's all really good stat content and we've had super great reviews from everybody coming through it and then from that that also launched to be doing personal coaching which has been super awesome i'm doing that full time now um which is just an insane thing to be doing and gives me so much more time for 40 again content creation um but yeah it's been a, a wild journey over the past year for me if, with StatCheck, um with fight club and then StatCheck, and uh, i i couldn't be happier with the way things are going and the way things look to be continuing
1: well that's excellent and it's great to hear that you know in this space of you know new sort of tangential businesses related to games workshop products there's so many people that have been able to take their hobby and their passion for warhammer and turn it into how they spend their time and you know creating a lifestyle built around it so congratulations on making that a reality um how, how many how many hours a day do you then spend on, you know, obviously this would be classified as work for you because but it's unpaid work. But so, how, how many hours a day do you spend doing paid 40K related work?
2: Uh, I'm up to like five hours a week or five hours a day for like four days a week now at like three times the money I was making at my old job. So I'm doing half the work for more than half the money.
1: And talking uh, about 40K as well. I can right? complain.
2: Yeah, and it's all 40K related. Yeah. And a bunch of that is doing, like, stat check stuff, um, which is slightly less money than that, but, you know, whatever. It's growing the business, and we're working through, like, Patreon and things like that, which is, you know, I don't really see it come in because it just goes in, and then it hides in the back, and I'm like, if I ever need it, it's there. But uh, <laughs> um, So, yeah, it's, uh, it's been super cool. And then outside of that, I do a bunch of, like, the Team Scotland stuff, which is quote-unquote work as well because, you know, you're just herding cats constantly. Um, but, no, it's uh, I would say it's... For my, my total week, it's like hundred hours of forty k at this point, like a week now, which might be slightly problematic. And you know, yeah, might.
1: two two full time jobs. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. It might might indicate that I should probably find another new hobby, but I don't <laughs> know if I can if I can be bothered. So yeah.
1: Well, we've we'll been talking a little bit about stats there, and obviously you're leading the way on providing things like elo rankings and stuff. Games Workshop have obviously started doing a fairly regular stats based uh, blog post on Warcom, and um. While those stats may be debated amongst um, you know, number of aficionados, um, we're still clear of that, but we'll talk more about what this orientation might mean for the future of 40k. So Games Workshop are clearly paying attention to these things. Um we've seen, you know, the fact that balanced data slates and the other tools they have for manipulating game balance are being utilized in a specific response to those sort of stats. So how do you think uh, 40k is going to be evolving, say, not in the next year because we're obviously expecting a big shakeup with a potential new addition but say in the next five to ten years like as it really becomes a more developed ecosystem for database game design decisions what where do you think the sky is the limit in, in terms of what what we might see 40k being in the future
2: So my background in competitive games is in um, League of Legends, which is, you know, I'm sorry for anybody who's lost all respect for me because of that. I don't blame you. Uh, Me too. Um, Where the balance criteria are actually, like, laid out in a document, and it's like, if it's this if it's between this win rate and this win rate at like gold level play which is like you know top 20 percent play it's a problem and if it's between this pick range, like if it shows up this much at that level of play and then it does the same thing for like top five percent play and top one percent play and bottom 50 percent play i would love to see like a standardized like template for if this thing is showing up this is what it is and this is what our response will be so like you could actually rather than being super subject to like the whims of fate on balance data sites where we saw um, so like the the balancing pattern that Marines took, where it was like, all right, we're gonna give them a little buff, and then we're gonna give them a little buff, and then we're gonna pump them directly into the sun on power level, um, where it feels like they're it's kind of arbitrary. I would I would love to see like the limit being where there's a an actual process that we can follow to see what's happening. It's like if it, this unit's not showing up at all and it's not showing up at all, we'll give it like a five percent cost decrease, and if it continues to not show up, it'll do that again. And it's like it just follows a chain of a pattern. I would love to see that. I think that would be a super interesting way to do it. Where we wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to constantly be in worry of flux about your list just disappearing, because that's one of the biggest things that I think can make the competitive integrity of 4K a little bit, a little bit difficult. Is that when you, once you've committed to an army, it's such a big investment to swap off it. It's not like picking a different character in a video game, and it feels super bad when something like happens to Admet or Tyranids happens, and I'll say Teranets because it makes me sad. Um, Teranets just happens to an army where its competitive viability just drops off the face of the earth, and I would love to see a way that we could. You know, we see the turnets have a sixty percent win rate consistently, so we know that the response is going to be this level of category. And we see that it's going to be, you know, we're going to address the problematic stratagems, give them minor points for game. and like there's actually a thing there, and you can look at it and you're like, if that happens, I'm probably still fine. And games workshop would could have a rubric almost that just said, this is probably what's going to happen if your problem, if your is problematic, and then yeah, there's responses outside of that. But I would love to see that. Other than that. I think we'll continue to see the community grow. We'll continue to see events move from strength to strength. We've got things like um, LGT now challenging LVO for biggest event in the world. Um, there's loads of events coming out of all manner of countries in Europe. Uh, I, I myself am going off to Austria in April uh, for a team event there. There's the World Championships. I would love to see more things like the World Championships um, or more development of it. There, there's really just nothing, nothing stopping the game from going super high with all of the things that it's offering at the moment and balancing the game in a way that's healthy and allows people to continue. Like, it'd be super cool if there were actually just people who only played one faction that genuinely got success year round and meta round. Like, I would consider myself an in specialist, but I'm not going to play it because there's just no point. I can get the same results much easier with something else. So why bother? It would be cool if that, if there was never a why bother in 40k, and I think that mm. needs, that would be what they would need to tune up with the balanced data slate approach that they're taking at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really important point. You know, there are lots of people and we have a whole segment on our show about just focusing on these people that only play one faction regardless of their strength and the fact that they have to go from the joys of coming really well and potentially winning the tournament to, you know, just struggling to get twos and threes is quite a sad state of the game when that happens. So, but what you're saying that seems to be, you know, relatively logical. You ask them for transparency and then algorithmic changes so that people can have some relatively certain expectations about you know their investments in as customers so it seems like this is, seems to be quite a fair thing uh, but how are games Workshop going to get this data you know do they need to be buying up uh, Battlescribe and ITC battle apps and all of these different pl- tools that people use that are obviously generating all this data in order to like inform those changes because at the moment they have no idea if people are using transhuman every turn every game or never. So, you know, how can I I achieve this practically?
2: Strategies are definitely one of the things that it's difficult to track. Like, you can't do it like you would in a video game where you can just see, well, this skill's being leveled or whatever. Um, I think the the first thing that the GW really needs is a, a list writing tool that is transparent and works that we could just standardize everybody onto, and that way that you could actually process lists from. So if you could just, you know, go into BCP and download the lists for an entire event, and then you know, have a a way of just stripping out all the data from it without there being confusion where you have like WTC list format, battle script list format, battle script simplified list format, all these things where it makes archiving and stripping and processing the data super hard. Like there was that one LVO where everybody had to do a list in the exact format that it required and your list got bounced back if it wasn't. uh, And they used that to pull out a bunch of data and they got usage statistics on units and HQs. And you know how is this unit taken in relation with that unit, and that's the sort of stuff that I think that we're missing. And I think a standardized list format or the G, like the GW app is, unfortunately, has its issues. Um, where it just it doesn't process lists in the nicest way. It doesn't always get everything right. If there was a battle version that was you know run by GW, that GW could take the information from directly, and whether they're pulling from like whether you're looking at usage stats for you know. The people who go, you could look at it for the people who go X and 1 at tournaments, the people who go 0 and 5 at tournaments, what's their win rate? What units are they taking? What units are they not taking? What units aren't they winning with? Um, and I think that just having more standardization in the way that we allow information to be used in 40k would be a long step towards that. And then, yeah, things like things like strategy, things like that, that's why there's always going to have to be a, an element of there is a playtesting and balance team that's involved that can look at, you know, Look at event games and look at streams and see what people are saying there, and be like, "All right, we identify that there's a problem here." And you know, there's there's always going to be a carve out in that. For it. if you think that there's a, if you can pinpoint a problem and be like, "It's probably overrun for Terranids," we're going to change overrun and maybe a couple of points rather than doing all of it. And that's why there's always going to be a human element in it, and there will always be, you know, you're never going to get everything perfect. You're always going to get something wrong. There'll be balanced data slates that go too far and don't go far enough, even with that. But I think that that would would still be. I think that would give us a lot more tools for understanding the game and for understanding how it needs to be balanced and why things need to change.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point there. You you mentioned standardization of the game balance types of changes. and Now you've just touched on standardization of the tools in which we can use to develop the data that those standardized changes can be based on. And if anyone has listened to me talking about 40K before they know that I am all about standardization and we've got to set the bar high and then roll that out across the whole community so that we can all be playing the same game. And if you want to come to the pinnacle of standardized 40K in the UK, obviously the LGT has now been launched. Uh, tickets are available on lgtpresents.co.uk. And we're hoping to break the 1,000-player mark this year. So Ines, are you going to help us be one of the 1,000 players in September? I'm hopefully on
2: my phone just now, quiet. <laughs> yes, I will absolutely be there. Uh, no chance I'm missing that.
1: Excellent. Well, we we'll, we'll hope to see you up in the, in the top tables towards the end of the weekend. Um, is there anything else you would like to plug while you're on the show?
2: um no uh check out stat-check.com for uh, all of your 40k stats needs uh, we'd be super happy to have you we have a live show every tuesday otherwise um we have all of our metadata we have the el the elo system 40k as well as uh, our own independent version of it and many many other things it's a super cool website to just have a dive on uh so we'd really appreciate if you check it out
1: awesome well thank you for coming on the show and we'll talk to you again sometime soon
2: thank you so much for having me zach
1: Thank you for tuning in to
0: This Week in 40K. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to find out more about what we talked about today or to get in touch with us, be sure to visit our website at www.twi40k.com. We would also really appreciate it if you would help us spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and recommending us to all your gaming buddies. And of course, don't forget to subscribe for more great content from This Week in 40K. We'll be back next week with even more news, updates, and opinions from the world of Warhammer 40,000. Until next time, thanks for listening.